Welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown for Wednesday, July the 19th. And if you're feeling a little bit parched because of the global heat wave, make sure you pull up a nice daiquiri because it is National Daiquiri Day. Um, also, go hug your kids because it's National Hug Your Kids Day. But hug your kids. Um, my kids are right here with me because that would be myself, Tom Hollingsworth, and my wonderful co-host, Mr. Stephen Foskett. Stephen, welcome to the show. We've got some hot news coming up. Yeah, that's apropos, considering that it's also National Hot Dog Day. That's right. Well, if you've got yourself a daiquiri and a hot dog, some refreshments, make sure you tune in because we're going to kick off this story uh, with some interesting news about storage because Lenovo has introduced a new range of solutions aimed at edge and AI workloads, including the new ThinkSystem DG All Flash Array, updated ThinkSystem DM Enterprise Storage Arrays, and the Think Agile SXM Microsoft Azure Stack Solution. Lenovo is also introducing an all-inclusive software suite called Unified Complete that bundles all of the best features together at a single price, including ransomware protection and data management. Stephen, how does Lenovo fit into the storage landscape now? Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of speaking with Lenovo this week uh, in advance of this announcement, and um, it was uh, really kind of eye-opening uh, because, well... Um, it may come as a surprise to people, but Lenovo has quietly grown to be uh, one of the biggest companies in the storage space. Um, they are, in fact, the number one vendor in the entry-level uh, enterprise storage category and apparently number four overall. And this is on the back of a company that isn't known to be developing their own proprietary solutions. In fact, that's kind of antithetical to what Lenovo does. Lenovo is all about manufacturing um, selling, uh, shipping, supplying, basically making this stuff happen. And they work with basically every other company in the space. So as you're looking through the Lenovo product offerings, you may be saying, hey, that looks a little like NetApp. Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, let, let Lenovo explicitly works with all sorts of OEMs, including companies like NetApp and Weka, Nutanix, uh, VMware, Microsoft Azure. Um, their goal is basically to provide uh, hardware uh, and software solutions that sort of fit in with whatever strategic direction you've made, rather than forcing you to adopt a proprietary solution. And that's kind of attractive, especially when you look at what they're doing with their capabilities. So they're basically using their ability to manufacture and ship systems in volume uh, to make sure that companies can get what they need. Uh, they work with everybody, which also helps companies. And like I said, uh, or you said in the intro there, the unified complete offering is actually a pretty cool one because basically it takes all the features that you might have wanted to or had to pay a la carte previously and um, just bundles them together at a single flat rate. Now, there's also a base package if you don't need all that stuff. But um, the attractiveness of being able to say, look, I bought this storage system and I got all the stuff and I can use all the stuff instead of being nickel and dimed. Well, I think that might attract some customers away from some of the competitors in the space. Also, on the Think Agile side, it's interesting because, again, they've got hyperconverged solutions uh, based on Nutanix, based on VMware or vSAN, and also uh, with this SXM um, Azure Stack. And there again, I think that it shows really what VMware is trying to, or what Lenovo is trying to do in this market, which is basically make sure that anyone who needs a system can get one from them. So we're going to be keeping an eye on Lenovo, especially, spoiler alert, in the edge space. 
Tom, Cisco is looking to bolster their identity-based security offerings by picking up a startup called Ort. The Ort platform, which alas is not a cloud, um, it collects telemetry data about IAM solutions that are installed and looks for malicious activities. The watchdog solution is designed to prevent uh, attackers from gaining a foothold and using the existing IAM system to persist in the environment. Wart has previously taken about 15 million rounds of funding and is not located in the periphery of the solar system. Cisco is expected to close the deal by the end of October. So this is a really interesting tool that I honestly didn't even know existed. When you think about identity management, I mean, there's names that pop up, Okta, um, uh, Auth0, uh, you know, CyberArk. There's a ton of solutions out there. But someone somewhere had a brilliant idea. Who's keeping an eye on those? And one of the things that we've seen over the long haul of cybersecurity is these interesting ways that that uh, attackers will use a company's own systems against them. We actually have a story coming up that, that will illustrate the problem that Ort is trying to solve, wherein all I have to do to get persistence is gain access to your IAM solution. And then I can basically give myself credentials. So if you think about those movies where the, uh, the super spy person has like all of the stuff that they're using a razor blade to cut out the picture and glue it over the top of the, of the name badge. And then I'm going to put the name badge on. And then remember everybody's favorite scene from sneakers with the, the, the voice print tape recorder, you know, my voice is my passport kind of thing. That's what this is trying to solve. We're looking for issues in the IAM system. Did you recently just create a whole ton of new users? Did you recently authorize one particular user to have a whole bunch of new um, you know, capabilities that it's never had before? Is your backup user suddenly able to read everything in the system? That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the subtle changes that tell you that somebody is in the system doing things you're not supposed to. Think back to some of everyone's favorite hacks that have occurred over the last two or three years. It wasn't a situation where they kick down the door and take everything. They open the door and then they persist for months looking for ways to get access to things to create even more havoc. And that to me is why a solution like this is so important. They're looking for the changes that would be telltale of a persistent threat. Now, I love the fact that it looks like they're going to be integrating this into Cisco's greater SecureX XDR solution, because this is one of those things that really is a tool in service of a greater kind of purpose. Uh, you know, a lot of companies are going to rely on your Octas and your Auth Zeros and your CyberArks to kind of offer those IAM solutions. But it's better when you know that your system is keeping an eye on that integration as well so that you're not going to get, you know, embarrassed by it down the road. So good pickup for Cisco, especially, you know, if it was a $15 million funding round, obviously they don't have to disclose how much they paid for it. But given the speed with which they're going to be closing the acquisition, I would not be surprised if it was a very um, good financial decision for everyone involved. All right, Stephen, one of the hottest stories that we've had for the last couple of weeks is uh, the one we reported last week where our friends over at Intel have ended their NUC mini PC investment, and that means that companies are looking for alternatives. Our friends over at Scale Computing have decided to team up with Simply NUC for their edge systems, while Lenovo and other small form factor makers are also under consideration. But in a separate release that we saw, Asus has signed a deal with Intel to support and develop the NUC hardware in a new NUC-focused business unit. Stephen, what exactly are we seeing here? 
Well, uh, right now, I think we're seeing um, signs that this uh, move from Intel to stop uh, investing in the NUC business was not um, well, uh, while well communicated and prepared for in the community. Um, I think that there's definitely a lot of scrambling going on. I'm sure that people like me saw the writing uh, on the wall about this when Intel ended their server business. But that being said, um, it appears it's surprising that uh, that really no one did want to take over that business like they MyTech did with the servers. Uh, so yeah, we're seeing a deal with with ASUS to take over um, the support and even the manufacturing of Intel's uh, 10th through 13th generation NUCs. Um, and that's good, that's really good, especially for users of those platforms because um, it appears that uh, ASUS will be able to basically manufacture exactly the same thing. Um, but of course, we're also hearing that this is not the same kind of acquisition that we saw in some of the other businesses. Uh, ASUS doesn't appear to be taking on uh, Intel's employees uh, or even really ownership of the platform. Uh, Intel says that, uh, or is reported that Intel is willing to let others manufacture the NUCs as well. And um, so, yeah, ASUS is going to continue these, and, and they're a real good company to be doing that because they've got a lot of experience themselves in small form factor PCs. But uh, we may see other companies announcing NUC business units too, which wouldn't be so bad. And, and as you mentioned, um, uh, companies that are using NUCs, especially at the edge, like our friends over at Scale Computing, have uh, quickly uh, signed on with a company called Simply NUC. Uh, which uh, can provide continuing support and um, ship NUCs as well. Uh, Simply NUC is a small company that um, actually looks pretty interesting in that they're focused solely on these small form factor PCs. They've got uh, the Intel offerings, of course, but they also have a, a wide range of other uh, uh, offerings that they support, including some with AMD processors. And um, I look forward to... Um, a future where we have uh, ASUS continuing uh, NUC support and companies like Simply NUC continuing to be able to support these small form factor PCs, because let me tell you, they've really caught on on the edge. Now, another company I want to mention here, uh, as we talked about in a previous story, is Lenovo. They already make a wide range of small form factor uh, devices for the edge from their desktop-based systems to uh, more IoT and industrial automation, industrial process-based systems, as well as uh, point-of-sale and retail systems, and yes, NUC competitors. In fact, um, I've seen uh, quite a few Lenovo small form factor PCs uh, at the offices of some of these companies that are using uh, this technology at the edge. So I would not be surprised if Lenovo is another company that really benefits from Intel's move. Tom, uh, we have been speaking about the Broadcom deal to acquire VMware for quite a while, and we have some semi-news this week coming out of the European Union. So the word is that the EU is going to, going to clear the deal and uh, allow it to proceed. Um, unnamed sources, um, yeah, love that guy, that unnamed guy, uh, say that the EU was able to obtain some concessions from Broadcom to prevent them from causing market harm. Uh, these concessions ensure that VMware's flagship uh, software platforms will continue to be compatible with a wide range of computer competitor hardware. Uh, the move also ensures that Broadcom will not, will not need to divest portions of VMware to meet the regulatory requirements. And many are seeing this as a hint 
that this deal is going to cruise right past the U.S. and China as well. What do you think? Well, it's interesting because, first of all, you know, unnamed sources, as we pointed out, I love that guy. Actually, in this case, it was four different people, according to the linked article, that all kind of roughly agreed with each other. You ever get four people to tell you the same story at the same time? And maybe it just felt a little weird. I don't know. I, it almost kind of feels like they're letting this news out into the market a little bit early as kind of a trial balloon to see kind of what the the, the temperature is. Here's the other thing. Um, Stephen, you and I order a lot of stuff on Amazon. Could you imagine if I ordered, I don't know, a, a jet airplane and got a free keychain in, in in the package? Does it feel like a dumb thing to just throw in for no reason? Kind of like a concession that's going to keep VMware running on other hardware when you're a company that doesn't make servers? Look, I get it. The EU wants to look like they're doing stuff. And, and I'm the first person to say, that yes, we need to be taking a very close look at this. We need to make sure that we're investigating and analyzing everything. We need to make sure that there's teeth in those agreements when someone like Hawk Tan comes out and says, I'm not going to raise prices because that's you know what everyone kind of expects them to do. Extracting a concession that you're not going to make this run on only your hardware when you don't make hardware and you make components that go in everybody else's hardware kind of feels like a pretty pointless concession. Like, I, I get it. You you want to have something in there, but but put teeth in this, like really, like say, you know, agree that you're not going to raise prices for the first three years or, uh, you know, say that if, you know, companies want to move off of VMware that you're going to provide them, you know, the technology to make that easy or better yet, you're not going to lock them into the platform and make their data non-portable or something like that. Do you see the difference in you know, those kinds of concessions that you're forced to make versus, oh, yeah, sure, I will totally do a thing that we wouldn't have had to worry about anyway. More to the point, Broadcom wants this stuff running on everybody's hardware because VMware has kind of been the gold standard up until this shift to the cloud. They want people using VMware software, both here and in the cloud. So they want it to be as ubiquitous as possible. So I don't know. Maybe the reaction that they're looking for is the reaction that they got out of this reporter that this is not really something that is going to end up paying off in the long run. But, you know, we'll have to see, of course, like you mentioned, this is just stage one, getting past the EU, which has historically been one of the more, um, I don't know, um, toothier kind of things, like they tend to bite in a little harder. Is the FTC going to be okay with this? Is, you know, the Chinese regulation system going to be okay with this? Time will tell. I, I don't think we're going to be done with this, even at VMware Explorer this year. I think we probably won't know until sometime in 2024 whether or not everything's going to come together. Um, Stephen, NVIDIA has accelerated their venture capital investments in cloud and AI software startups because they're taking an equity stake in Lambda Labs, a competitor to Amazon Web Services. The deal, which is worth potentially $300 million, signifies NVIDIA's growing investment in supporting startups in the cloud and AI software market while maintaining its leadership in data center chips for AI applications. Does this move suggest that we're going to be entering a new world of hyperscale competition? Yeah, I, I think that it, it is a new world. And I think that the key here is to consider who is Lambda Labs and who is another company that we're not mentioned yet, CoreWeave. So essentially, uh, for years now, we have lived in a world 
where if I say hyperscaler and you think of somebody with massive infrastructure that you can use on demand, you're probably going to be thinking of Amazon Web Services. Maybe you're thinking of um, Microsoft Azure. Maybe you're thinking of Google Cloud uh, or maybe, um, I don't know, Baidu, Tencent, Alibaba, Oracle, any of these other companies. Uh, the, the, the world is changing a little bit here. And uh, one of the things that's changing it is AI and specifically AI training. Now, um, it's incredibly difficult, as we've talked about for months here, um, it's incredibly difficult to get enough hardware to be able to train the latest uh, large language models and neural networks. And in order to do that, a lot of companies are looking at cloud services to help them. We talked uh, previously about how Google has built things out, but uh, they've kind of flubbed, but not by not really leaning into uh, PyTorch as, um, as some of their competitors have. We've also talked uh, quite a lot about Microsoft um, and uh, others building uh, AI supercomputers in the cloud. Um, of course, Amazon Web Services also has a pretty good uh, presence in AI. But uh, there's this whole new generation of companies, including Lambda Labs and CoreWeave, that are basically building, um, think of it as the equivalent of Amazon Web Services, except for AI and machine learning training. And that's what's going on here. NVIDIA is putting money into both of those companies. Uh, they also invested in CoreWeave. And um, our, these companies, in turn, are buying tons and tons of NVIDIA equipment and building out basically an AI supercomputer for hire in the cloud. Uh, that's a very cool thing, especially with news that Microsoft is going to be sending customers over to CoreWeave. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see a similar thing happening here with uh, Lambda Labs. And in the future, uh, frankly, I think we've got some more competition in the uh, hyperscale space. I don't think that Amazon and Google and the rest are going to sleep on this, though. I think that uh, there will be a few very, very powerful AI supercomputers out there. Um, but I also think that it seems pretty likely that uh, Lambda Labs is going to be one of them. Microsoft isn't happy that they just got hacked again. That's because 25 customers had their email systems improperly accessed by a Chinese hacking group. The boringly named Storm 0558 group managed to obtain one of the keys used to generate authentication tokens. That would have been bad enough, but the key was used to sign consumer level tokens and the Storm Group was able to take those tokens and use another exploit to allow it to sign enterprise level accounts, including those from multiple agencies. The breach was detected in mid-June, but the extent of the damage is still being determined. Yeah, this isn't a good move from Microsoft. I mean, obviously they have to disclose it. And I know that they can't be happy about this, but like, remember when they disclosed, I think it was last year, that somebody had been rummaging around in their systems and had taken stuff and they didn't know what it was. Yeah, if you don't know exactly what was taken, it's time to do a lot of damage control because what they did is they stole a key. Bad, we've talked about this repeatedly. How bad is it when the keys get taken? They took the key that was used to sign authentication tokens for consumer grade accounts. Okay, great, I can get into Steven's email and I can see all the stuff that he's talking about. But then they were able to figure out how to take that token and then forge it so that I can log into the Department of Defense's email or, or some other agency. We, we don't have a, a list of who they were. We just know that it included government agencies. 
now I've got a huge problem, right? Because now I basically have a bump key that will let me get into just about anything. And so now they're trying to figure out what did they see? What were they able to download? Of course, if you read the Microsoft blog posts that are linked all over the place, uh, they've mitigated this disaster for now until they figure out that somebody else had a way in. Remember we talked earlier about that story about uh, ORT, the platform that Cisco was buying that would allow you to determine if someone was using your IAM system against you to be able to grab a foothold? This is what they're trying to stop. They're trying to stop people from being able to forge identities to be able to continually get into the system. Now, the fact that they were able to catch it after around about a month of exploitation is probably good in the long run because it means the dwell time has gone down significantly. I, I, I know for a fact I could do a lot of damage with a month access to somebody's email, at the very least, just the amount of data that I can pull off of it. But we're, we're starting to see this not be something that can persist for months and months and months. And worse yet, as we've seen in the past with you know SolarWinds hack, they're in the systems and they're able to see when people are trying to mitigate so they can pivot into a different um, you know, vector so that they can avoid detection. Again, going back to that whole, I don't want your email. I want to persistently be in your email so that I can see when things come in so that I can use that as actionable information to do whatever I need to do. And that's another thing that we really need to address here. In the old days, when everything was running on premises and we were having a lot of, you know, challenges in the, in the organizations, it was just a matter of I'm going to be exploiting this particular, you know, agency. But now with everybody relying on cloud services to run everything, if I can get into one, I can get into a lot of them. I know that there are security researchers like Patrick Gray who are flat out saying you should not be running Exchange on site anymore. But at the same time, if everybody's running Outlook and, and Exchange in the cloud and I figure out how to pivot this attack into something else, one key can open 25 locks very quickly. So, you know, you need to be thinking about this. You need to make sure that you're regularly auditing those logs to make sure that nobody is getting in with things that they shouldn't, or you're not seeing um, attacks being sourced from random addresses or, you know, those kinds of things. Maybe you just need to put in really simple rules. A lot of people are missing out on that. You know, nobody should be logging into this information from a VPN that's connected to a country outside of this list of places that people would be. It would go a long way to fixing the problem. All right, Stephen, a uh, company that we've talked to several times, Hammerspace, is uh, very happy today because they have secured a $56.7 million funding round to enhance sales and marketing efforts for their software that manages and locates unstructured data elements across data centers and users. Now, we've talked to them several times over the years, and they had previously been funded by insiders like our friend David Flynn and some angel investors. Does this round reflect a new day for the company and a new path forward? I really think it does. Uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, David uh, Flynn, who was uh, well known for companies like Fusion IO, uh, he was the founder of, of Hammerspace and brought in a great group of people, a great uh, intellectual property and, and just the right focus on data, not so much storage. And um, this has been uh, a market that is developing over time, but frankly has developed uh, fairly nicely. We've seen a lot of uh, uptake of the Hammerspace product, including uh, notably uh, the Blue Origin team uh, developing uh, rockets to rival SpaceX. Uh, uh, that's in the press release. Um, 
And I think that the the fact that companies like that are relying on Hammerspace for such an important aspect uh, like data management is really, I think, says, says it all when it comes to uh, what this company is all about. Uh, the fact that they were able to fund themselves without getting a funding round, an official funding round before this is pretty impressive, uh, but also it shows that the company was running it carefully, uh, managing their finances carefully and, and running fairly lean to make sure that they really had a product that was going to work and a market that was going to work. And I think that that's what this signifies. Basically, the company has gotten to the point where they've said, yeah, this is going to work. I think we're going to need more funding rounds. We've kind of outgrown uh, the uh, proverbial garage and it's time to uh, build it up a bit. Also, I would say that often uh, funding rounds are used to set the value of a company, and that could be an a indicator that uh, there's some interest in an acquisition. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened either, because there are quite a few companies in the enterprise storage, uh, enterprise IT, uh, and cloud space who could use something like Hammerspace. So either the company grows into a bigger and more formidable competitor on its own, or maybe it gets acquired on the basis of this uh, funding round valuation. But either way, I'd say that this is good news for Hammerspace, and it shows that the market is looking for a scalable data management platform. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of great news around this, and there's a lot of great opportunities. And you know that whatever happens, we're going to be talking about it here on the Gestalt IT Rundown, because Stephen and I are news junkies, and we've got to find the latest thing to tell you about in this cool... Uh, enterprise tech news that you need to know about. But uh, we also do other things when we're not talking about the news. And one of those is coming up next week. I'm very excited to be at Networking Field Day. Uh, we are going to be talking to Broadcom about their networking stuff. And we're going to be talking to a brand new company, Nile, about some of their cool things uh, related to maybe not even networking hardware. But uh, we also are going to be hearing from Anuda Networks. Networking Field Day is a very exciting time. We've got a great lineup of delegates. I definitely want you to check out the website, techfieldday.com, for the schedule, for the list of people who are going to be there. Remember to use the hashtag NFT32 on all of your social stuff. And then after I'm done with that, which is next week, July 26th and 27th, we're going to be back with another great event that Stephen can't wait to tell you about. Yep, we're heading over to VMware Explore, the artist formerly known as VMworld, uh, in, now in Las Vegas this year. Um, and we are going to have some Tech Field Day presentations on August 21st, uh, looking at uh, VMware NSX, presenting a good detailed uh, deep dive. We also have some other companies that we're going to soon uh, let you know about, but it's a, uh, we're waiting to, to release those names until we've got all the, the forms signed, sealed, and delivered. And um, we're also going to be doing a lot of live broadcasts, podcasts, that sort of thing with the community that's going to be gathered there at VMware Explore. We're also looking to returning to other events this year, including Flash Memory Summit, the SNEA Storage Developer Conference, which will coincide with our Storage Field Day event, uh, OCP Summit, which coincides with Cloud Field Day, uh, as well as, uh, let's see, how about Amazon uh, AWS reInvent? Uh, I can't wait to see you all there. And if you want to see where we're going to be at for our Tech Field Day events the rest of the year, make sure you head to techfieldday.com and click on the link for future events. Uh, guarantee you that there's something on there that you're going to enjoy. Just like you enjoy the Gestalt IT Rundown every Wednesday around 1230 Eastern Time, uh, we release our episodes on our website with show notes. Uh, so if you want to check out the articles that we uh, we pulled some of this information from, as well as you know some other interesting research material, 
Uh, you can check us out if you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel. Please do so because you get the uh, the video feed of the podcast. But if you want to listen to us while you're mowing the lawn or just chilling out by the pool, uh, look in your favorite podcatcher for the Gestalt IT Rundown, and you can listen to the audio version of this podcast. Uh, we will be back next week with more great news, probably with a co-host since I'm going to be at Networking Field Day, but I'm sure that Stephen will have great things for you to talk about. And if not, I'll make sure to send him a few things because I know he's going to want to cover some great news. Um, until then, take care of yourselves, stay cool, and we will see you next week. Thank you.